Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. This is a Vault Studios production. I'm Reed Redmond. I'm Will Johnson. The show contains graphic material and is meant for mature audiences. This week on True Crime Chronicles. If you do any investigative work in crime for any amount of time, it becomes pretty apparent the the circumstances tell a story pretty quickly. I thought that was kind of interesting that they were really making a plea for that specifically, just any little tiny details. And some people talk after, you know, years have gone by. Felt like I was the one that was in jail because I was having to live this every minute and every day and the frustration, the anger and just all these emotions. My name is Leslie Ackerson. I'm a reporter and an anchor at WBIR Channel 10 in Knoxville, Tennessee. Leslie Ackerson is also the host of a TV and podcast series called Appalachian Unsolved. Which focuses on cold cases, missing persons, Jane and John Doe's, you name it. Her co-host is WBIR senior investigative journalist, John North. I do a little of everything from investigative stuff to long form stuff. I mentor, I supervise. I vacuum, I do whatever is needed. Last summer, Leslie and John decided to look into an unsolved case from 2014, the murder of a young man named Thomas Thrasher, who went by the nickname T.S. He was named after his father, so he's Thomas Stephen Jr. So T.S. is kind of where that name came from, and his father Steve shared a lot of details about him with us. For me, I think one of the reasons that this case was particularly interesting and compelling was the vehemence of the father. He was absolutely dedicated to something happening with this case. And I always admire that about people because I've been doing this for a really long time, 30 years. And sometimes that determination comes to fruition. And sometimes family members go to the graves without satisfaction. So because of his passion for this case, I mean, he he just, it was on his face, it was on his sleeve. Mr. Thrasher really wanted this to get out. This was a father who was absolutely determined that the public was going to pay attention to what happened to his son. The pain lingers for a father fighting for justice for his murdered son. I just couldn't catch my breath. Very honest, raw emotion about how much he wanted this to be solved and not forgotten. And I think that's one thing that viewers maybe and people who love true crime can kind of forget when they listen to podcasts and watch shows and it's interesting and maybe it's a little spooky and crime but it's someone's life it's someone's child their mother their father their brother their sister their son or their daughter that they have lost and they don't have answers just imagine how difficult a death is in general one that's sudden one that's murderous and you don't have answers and i think just how much his father was pleading for that really got the emotional side of, yeah, let's feature this. Let's help him get the word out and people not forget about Thomas Thrasher. 
Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. What I've learned about Thomas Thrasher Jr. from his father is that he was a great son. He was always smiling, full of life. He always made everybody smile and happy. He was just so pleasant. When Leslie Ackerson interviewed Steve Thrasher Sr. early last summer, it had been six and a half years since his son's death. Really loved his family members. Um, he had a younger sister with special needs that he especially cared for. And he even, um, when he got married, I think took in a, a stepdaughter and cared for her like his own. He was just, it sounded like a very big family guy and he worked hard, um, just kind of a blue collar guy. Lived in Oak Ridge, had grown up there. Um, he had lots of siblings, I think. The family's pretty large, um, mixed family, um, but close with lots of those siblings. T.S. Um, uh, is was widely loved by his family, considered kind of a nurturer in the family, kind of one of the kids in the family who would look after everybody else. Uh, he, from what we were told, was somebody who had a good heart. He was an easy guy to know and uh, enjoy getting to know. Uh, his uh, dad told us that he looked up to his son, that he got guidance from his own son, which is kind of unusual. It's all, typically the other way around where the son sort of idolizes the dad. But in this case, uh, Steve Thrasher essentially idolized his boy, and that stood out to me as well. And by 2014, T.S. was a father of two children. His goal was to be the best and do the very best he could as a father. At the time, T.S. was also married to a woman named Samantha, now Samantha Henley. But according to Steve Thrasher, his son had confided in him that he and his wife were going through a rough patch. Prior to December 2014, there probably were a, two kinds of things going on. Maybe on the surface, it appeared that Things were going okay. T.S. was, I think, starting a new job. He had ambitions. Uh, they hadn't been married very long. Uh, they shared a child together, and she had brought another child into the marriage. So if you look at it on the surface, you're like, oh, this is very nice. This is a young couple just sort of getting started living in an apartment complex. The truth was really, and Mr. Th Mr. Thrasher, the father, was a little reluctant to tell us much, that things weren't going very well and that apparently his son had told somebody, maybe even his father, if something happens to me, you need to look at Samantha. My son told me, you know, months before this happened, he said, Dad, if anything happens to me, he said, Samantha did it. I know his father did tell us that T.S. said to him, Dad, if something ever happens, I want you to look at her. So I do know that things were beginning to get rough between them. I know that they shared one daughter together um, they lived in a apartment in Oak Ridge. Oak Ridge is a city of about 30,000, situated 20, maybe 30 minutes west of Knoxville. And T.S. and Samantha's apartment was in a big apartment complex, meaning they had shared walls and lots of neighbors. But none of those neighbors say they remember hearing anything out of the ordinary on the night of December 7th into the morning of December 8th, 2014, the morning T.S. was killed. 
it was really early in the morning, like 4.30 a.m. So everybody, you know, was asleep in the home. Um, Lots of neighbors lived in that apartment complex, you know, like door to door, but nobody ever remembered hearing anything, seeing anything before he was shot. So that made things even more mysterious. At some point early in the morning, perhaps around four o'clock in the morning, uh, there was at least one shot that was fired in the home. Uh, Samantha said she heard it, but wasn't present in the room when it happened. He was found, I believe, on the couch, and he had been shot in the head, clearly to ensure that he died. Probably he was asleep. One gunshot wound, basically his wife heard this noise, is um, what she told police and called 911. The shooting would be investigated by both the Oak Ridge Police Department and the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. And both agencies would remain pretty tight-lipped in the aftermath. A lot of what happened, they held extremely close to their vest. They didn't share a whole lot. Not a whole lot was released publicly. But what we understand from law enforcement was that the neighbors uh, around that apartment didn't hear any indications of any problem inside before it happened, nor was there any indication whatsoever that there had been an intruder, that somebody from outside the home had burst in or forced their way in. That's one of the things that made it clear that this was not there was more going on here and that made it in a sense tougher for the police because you know they needed as much information as they possibly could from everybody who was in that house and the grown-up in that house besides T.S. Thrasher who was dead was Samantha. Aside from T.S., nobody else in the home had been injured. TBI agents think Thrasher's death was not random and believe he knew his killer. All we know about his wife and the two, um, two kids were that they were unharmed um, and there was no one in the apartment. If, if someone was there breaking in to harm them, they had left. Um, so no, they were all three of them were, were fine, but he was killed. If you do any investigative work in crime for any amount of time, it becomes pretty apparent the, the circumstances tell a story pretty quickly. So, you know, if there's a broken window, if there's a bashed in door, if there's a violent scream, you know, fight scene, if T.S. Thrasher had dealt drugs, if he had been engaged in some kind of financial shenanigans, all of that is stuff that immediately the police would have learned about, that they would have become suspicious immediately about those kinds of circumstances. We didn't have that here so far as we understand. We didn't have a break-in. Uh, We didn't have a situation where he was, so far as the police knew, engaged in anything that would attract uh, potential violence to him. (laughs) We had a man who was on his couch and was shot to death. So you look at that, and as you well know, um, some of the first people you start looking at when there's a murder or homicide and and there's a wife or a spouse present, when somebody is deceased is what was that spouse doing? What was that loved one doing? <clears throat> so I'm, I'm sure that was kind of the map that they very quickly started to follow. His wife at the time, Samantha Henley, I guess she would have been uh, Samantha Thrasher at the time, had told police that she heard a loud noise and then called 911 and then found her husband shot in their home, in their apartment. She didn't say she saw anybody. My recollection of what they said or what they told us is that they said she just was in another room and, and, and it and it happened. She heard the gunshot and that's all. Uh, 
if they told her, if she told them that, oh, somebody struggled or, oh, my husband let somebody in. I don't know that. I, I, I don't I don't know what her story was. Missing from the crime scene was a murder weapon. Steve Thrasher Sr. said it's his understanding his son was killed by his own pistol, but nobody's been able to track it down. There's definitely questions with the murder weapon. Was it one of T.S.'s weapons? If it was, was that accessible in the home? And who had access to that? Who knows where it was? Anytime I've asked about a weapon specifically with authorities, they have not been able to talk about that. They just said basically there's no weapon. Without much physical evidence to go on, investigators had to ask, who would want this 29-year-old father dead? Mr. Thrasher couldn't think of any enemies. In fact, he would sort of have told you himself that he probably had more enemies than his son did. He says the only person who came to mind was Samantha. Although when he first spoke to John and Leslie at WBIR, he was understandably hesitant to bring her name up. He was extremely careful in how he addressed the potential that the wife may have been involved. I suspect because the district attorney general's office had said, we want to solve this case badly for you, but you need to help us and be careful in what you say publicly. So you had a man, a father who was torn between probably wanting very loudly to point the finger at his son's wife, the widow, and somebody who wanted to make sure the case got solved and somebody got charged. And for Mr. Thrasher, I'm sure that was an internal struggle. He sort of indicated to us very carefully uh, um, in private discussions that he certainly looked at her as the prime suspect, but he also wanted to be careful about that because she is the mother of his grandchild as well. While reporting on this story, John North was also interested in hearing Samantha's side of things and tried to reach out to her directly. We obviously wanted to try and reach out to Samantha and the best way to do that was to go through her mother. So I got a phone number for her mom and called her in the course of our reporting and explained what we were doing and the reason that I was calling and that we wanted to speak with her, uh, that we thought she was an important part of the story and the mother very curtly said uh, she wasn't gonna talk to us and she hung up. Back in 2014, no arrests were made. No one was charged in T.S. Thrasher's death. But Steve Thrasher Sr. was not going to let the case be forgotten. My sense was that the loss was profound and, and was a gut punch to him from which he's not really ultimately recovered. But when my son got murdered, it just, it was like my heart went through a meat slicer and sliced off a piece of my heart, literally. Even when we talked to Mr. Thrasher last summer, summer of 2021, about this case, I mean, he's he, he's he's better now, but he sounded like a lost man at times. I mean, this was this haunted him that this happened, and it's part of what drove him is just this determination that something happened. Steve is um, a religious guy. I'm pretty sure he had a cross around his neck during the interview. Um, that he did, he Steve. Steve feels like he has forgiven the person in his heart. And he's like, I will forgive them, but it doesn't mean I'm still going to like them. You know, I still want them to face justice. The, the TS deserves justice. If they only 
fully understood the full impact of what they have done. They they didn't just take my son. They took T.S. away from everybody. By the time John North and Leslie Ackerson covered this case for WBIR, six and a half years had gone by. And it seemed clear that for this case to be solved, investigators needed something to give. And that's essentially what we tried to say. That's what I tried to say in writing the web story is the only way this thing is going to get solved is if somebody lets it slip or makes some kind of damning admission, which then the investigators can trace back. And they were, my sense was, they were just quietly waiting for something like that to happen. In an effort to bring in new leads, last spring, the governor of Tennessee approved a reward for information leading to the conviction of T.S. Thrasher's killer. There was a reward of about $10,000 that was offered. That happens from time to time. The governor of Tennessee will sign off on making a reward available in an unsolved homicide. We've had a few other cases where we've covered it. And it's often something where the state wants to try and help the family out and give them some comfort. So within recent years, our governor, Tennessee Governor Bill Lee, had signed off approving a $10,000 reward. They wanted people to come forward if they had information. One thing the DA said was, you know, nothing is too small. You know, nothing is too small in this case. If you have anything, we want people to come forward because that's what we're really lacking is information. We don't want people to think, well, what I have isn't important. What I have isn't big. Small pieces of information can be critically important because they added to information we already have can tie things together in ways that people wouldn't appreciate. Uh, or understand. I thought that was kind of interesting that they were really making a plea for that specifically, just any little tiny details. And some people talk after, you know, years have gone by. That was back in June of 2021. On Monday, February 7th of this year, Leslie Ackerson noticed her phone ringing during a morning meeting. I'm in the middle of our morning news meeting and Steve Thrasher calls me and I can't answer it. It goes to voicemail. He calls me again. I still can't answer it. And then he texts me and I'm like, okay, what is going on? So I look at my messages and he has written, call me immediately, red alert, 911. Trying to tell you first, they got her. Call me, please. Are you getting my text? She is in jail. Just got a call from the AG and the TBI. As soon as the meeting ended, she called Steve back. So I call him and he's obviously just filled with emotion. He's breaking up a little bit on the phone. But he he lives in Florida now and he was telling me that he got the phone call this morning that they had arrested her um, and she's facing charges of murder. Her being Samantha Henley, T.S. Thrasher's wife. And... Leslie came up to me and I was like, no way, you're kidding. And so I started looking at the jail logs and sure enough, (laughs) there she is. Her picture shows up on the Anderson County jail log, her mugshot and a first degree murder charge and bond set at I think a million dollars. We get on the jail's website, find her mugshot, find where she's been booked and charged. Um, with murder. And so that's kind of when we first got those initial details waiting for official law enforcement confirmation. Um, And that's kind of how everything took off. So we felt pretty confident about it, but we then immediately began contacting the TBI to say, hey, and also the DA, hey, this person has suddenly popped up on the jail log. We're hearing it's Samantha. And, you know, we had to be confident that it was her before we went forward and went public with a story on the web or put it on TV. But, uh, you know, we heard about it first from Mr. Thrasher and then 
checking on the jail logs on the computer. By golly, there she was. The widow of an Oak Ridge man shot and killed in 2014 is now charged with his murder. Samantha Henley was arrested and booked early this morning in the Anderson County Jail on a $1 million bond. She is charged with one count of first-degree murder in the ongoing homicide investigation of Thomas Stephen T.S. Thrasher. Why exactly investigators were able to make this arrest now, after seven years? They still haven't revealed. I have no idea what made the difference. Uh, clearly something did. I don't know what it was. Uh, Dave Clark is not somebody who goes about his job casually. And as a prosecutor, he has to be very careful and deliberate uh, about what kind of a case he's going to put on. The TBI is the same way. I don't find them to be an agency that rushes anything. And certainly after seven years, they were not going to rush this. So what is it that led them to the point where they took it to a grand jury? I don't know. You would have to assume they feel comfortable that it's solid. It sat for seven years and it makes you wonder, like, why now? What is going to be the turning point in this? I know from talking to TBI, the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, and Anderson County's DA that, like, they, they don't make arrests with nothing. You know, there's a lot of times in these cold cases where they have a very strong inclination of who might be behind it, might the motive, et cetera, but they're just missing a couple key pieces of information that they need for a case to really go forward. And so I think sometimes they wait years to finally get that. And is that a piece of evidence? Is that maybe someone coming forward with some information? So I'm interested to see what made the big change in these seven years, why it sat for seven years, what has happened recently that made them feel like they could make this arrest and maybe progress forward with a trial for his uh, ex-wife. For Steve Thrasher, the news came as a relief. I've been waiting seven years for, for this day. I felt like I was the one that was in jail or because I was having to live this every minute and every day and the frustration, the anger and just all these emotions. They could go for the death penalty and I, I don't want that at all. But what I would really like is for her to just think about this the rest of her life. I don't think it's an overstatement to say he's overjoyed and relieved to know that somebody has now been charged in his son's killing. That it's something that he pushed for constantly and now he's He's got that gratification. Of course, there's a long way to go. I've covered many, many prosecutions of people accused of murder, and sometimes uh, they get convicted, and sometimes they get off, and sometimes they get convicted of a lesser charge. A lot of things can happen between now and whenever this case goes before the jury, but I know he is relieved, and that's putting it mildly. It's just kind of hard to get this smile off my face today. And it's been a long time. It's been seven years since I've smiled like this. For True Crime Chronicles, I'm Will Johnson here along with Reed Redman. Reed, it seems like the big question here is exactly what we just heard from John and Leslie. Why is this arrest being made now? Yeah, Will, that's exactly right. I mean, something has to have happened. Something has to have changed here investigators have presumably been looking at Samantha Henley since 2014. I don't think they ever called her a suspect or anything prior to the arrest, but she was the only adult known to be in the house when this happened, and she and T.S. were apparently known to be having marital problems. So, of course, they investigated her. And they did say all along that this was targeted, that they believed T.S. was killed 
by someone he knew. But for the past seven years, for whatever reason, they clearly didn't think they had enough evidence to get a warrant and make an arrest. The only potential difference maker that we know about is that $10,000 reward that was approved last spring or, or last summer. And you have to wonder, did somebody hear about that or see the coverage and and finally decide to come forward with some information that they had? Or was it something else? Was it something totally unexpected? Someone finding a gun out in the woods or, or some other piece of evidence turning up? Again, we don't know any of that. I'm just trying to think of what it could be, but it'll be interesting to hopefully learn eventually what that last piece of this puzzle was, at least as far as investigators on this case are concerned. And it sounds like this father, Steve Thrasher, had his suspicions the entire time, but couldn't go on the record. Right. That's exactly what he's told WBIR since the arrest, that pretty much all along he thought Samantha could be responsible, but he didn't want to do anything that could interfere with the investigation. And it it does make you wonder with a lot of these unsolved cases that we cover where we hear family members pleading for answers, I'm sure some of them are kind of in that same boat where they have their own beliefs about the case as to who might have killed their loved one, but they just can't share that publicly. And that must be really difficult for them. There's also a bit of mystery surrounding the murder weapon. Can you go over what we know and what we don't know at this point? Yeah. So what we said earlier is that Steve Thrasher is the one who said that it's his understanding his son was murdered with his own pistol and that the pistol has disappeared. However, investigators haven't revealed even that much information. They haven't even said officially what kind of gun was used. So the only information that we have is from Steve Thrasher, and that's that it was TS's pistol, but that has not been confirmed quite yet. And I imagine if that pistol is still missing, that could be an obstacle for prosecutors if this goes to trial. All right, Reed, thanks for bringing us the story this week. And also big thanks to John North and Leslie Ackerson at WBIR in Knoxville. Thanks for listening to True Crime Chronicles, new episodes every Monday. If you haven't heard, we also have a new show out. It's called Killer Cases. Check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. And also our daily show, The Daily Crime, new episodes, Monday through Friday, five days a week. For True Crime Chronicles, I'm Will Johnson, along with Reed Redman. We'll be back next week with a new case and a new story.